0: Hey, I would like to ask you if you would open your Bibles or uh, open your YouVersion Bible app to Ezekiel chapter 33. There is a YouVersion live event for this, so you should be able to uh, follow along that way. Uh, that ought to work for you. Um, it will have uh, some of the text in there. Uh, you won't be thumbing around in your Bible. So, you know, um, what I know about art, do you understand that f- opening phrase? I'm not an artist, and what I know about art would fill a thimble halfway. My wife is fond of reminding me of that because sometimes we'll look at something like, and she'll say, oh, that's so so beautiful. And I'm like, what just happened there? I, I don't get that, you know? You know, you ever walking through a mall and there's something hanging there that just looks like it went through a corn picker? <laughs> uh, okay, that's art, all right, yeah. But, but uh, there's something there that I'm not seeing. I feel confident about it. So I don't understand art. But I do understand this. I understand that when students begin an art class, they're often, often instructed to create their own version of classics. So maybe they'll try their hand at the Mona Lisa. Good luck with that, right? (laughs) I know enough about art to know that's pretty impressive right there, right? Or maybe they'll make some swirls and try to be Van Gogh, you know, and and to do a Starry night that is all their own by swirling their brush, or maybe, They'll even go for the Rembrandt thing. I can remember when my wife and I were in the uh, British Museum. I looked at the Rembrandt and I said, I think maybe that's art. That's just amazing uh, what he had done there. Very impressive. So when they're doing that, this is what they're doing. They're trying to identify patterns in the masters so they can add the master's technique to their own toolbox as they seek to create a life of beauty. That's what I want us to do today. We can look at an artist and learn patterns, but the artist I want us to look at is not Rembrandt, it's God. And I want to look at the patterns that he is made of, and he's not made, so that's a wrong phrase, but that identify him and help us recognize him, those attributes he has. I want us to identify patterns that God establishes by his very nature to see his communicable attributes, as we've spoken of, several times in the past year. And to copy those skills, making them part of our redeemed nature, to be like Jesus. Now, there are countless places I could have taken you to find this kind of thinking in Scripture to see God's pattern of creation and recreation and renewal. But the one I would like you to look at today is in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel is famous for several things. One thing he's famous for is the wheel in the opening chapters of Ezekiel, you talk about that. And I had a Sunday school teacher told me that was a UFO one time. I don't think so. But she was pretty sure that it was, right? And he's also famous for the dry bones. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. That's why I'm not on the worship team. I want to apologize to all of you out there. But what is he doing with the dry bones? He's renewing them. It's his pattern. And in this passage today, which is one of my favorite passages... We see God's pattern of renewal in verse 26. We're going to look at the whole passage, but I want to pull this key verse out, Ezekiel 36, 26, and listen to what God says. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your old heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Who doesn't want that? I mean, who doesn't want to have God? Have you ever had a time when you feel like you've just become so hardened and so so dulled to any beauty around you and you feel kind of lifeless, as though you have a heart of stone? And wouldn't it be nice if God were to take that out and say, here, here's a heart that's alive and beating. That is what he says he does when he renews us. I want to look at this passage and I want to show to you at least four distinctives in God's pattern of renewal. And then in the end, I want to say, so how do those apply to us? How can we apply them? And the first thing I want to tell you that I see in Ezekiel about God's pattern of renewal is our renewal, the renewal he does in us, is for his glory. God renews us for his glory. He doesn't renew you so you can be better. He doesn't renew you so you can have a better life, so you can be happier, so you can be less obnoxious. That's not his main goal. That's not his prime objective. That's actually a side effect of his main goal, what he wants to happen. And you find this teaching about God throughout Scripture. You you see it here as well. Let's back up to verse 22 and follow along as I begin reading there. Ezekiel writes, Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but... For the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Now some people, when they're first confronted with this idea, that God's main objective is to glorify himself, they, they feel a little like maybe God's being egotistical there. Maybe even they get a little offended when they hear that. I mean, God's gl- objective is his own glory? That sounds a little self-centered. Don't be that person. I, I want to say to you, if you don't understand why God's glory is a prime objective in all creation, then you don't understand creation or the Creator in the way that you might need to. And maybe the thing that needs renewed in you is just a a new understanding of those things. The Bible teaches us that everything was created by Him. Everything. And that everything was created for Him. For Him. And the inhabitants of heaven know this well. Several months ago, we went through the book of Revelation. Do you remember that? passage that we did not skip was revelation 4:11. It is one of the most vital texts in scripture. Because it's there that we see the inhabitants of heaven singing, "You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. God, you're worthy to receive all glory because you made everything." Just because of the simple fact that you made it gives me the simple reality that you're worthy of glory and worship because of it. Ezekiel says what the Bible says over and over, that God is renewing all things so that he will receive glory. In my mind, this roughly corresponds to something that C.S. Lewis noted. And I have wanted to kind of verbalize this literally for years as your pastor and always felt inadequate to do it. And This week, I feel like maybe, maybe I'm going to say this the right way. C.S. Lewis is the author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you're like, that name's familiar. How do I know that? The Chronicles of Narnia. In another work, he says that early in his association and interest in God, he kind of found himself distressed that God was always seeking worship. Lewis said it's a little off-putting that God is always seeking worship. Worship. After all, Lewis says, and I'm going to read it to you. He says, we despise the man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, or delightfulness. We despise still more the crowd of people around every dictator, every millionaire, every celebrity, who gratify that demand. And then Lewis said, I felt as though God were saying, what I want most is to be told that I am good and great. That's a little off-putting. Isn't it? But in time, Lewis came to understand something important. I would say even something that is almost essential for people as they mature in their faith to understand. And when he came to this understanding, it kind of cleared things up for Lewis once and for all. Listen carefully. It is not that God demands to be worshipped because he is admirable. Rather, because God is admirable, anything short of worship is Is blasphemous. It would be a cosmic injustice to neglect to worship the one who made the cosmos. Worship is essential, Lewis concluded, because admiration of God is correct, it is adequate, it is the appropriate response to who God is. God renews us for His glory first and foremost. And that reality makes renewal, it makes my renewal and your renewal not less, but more. It is so impressive that God renews you for his glory. Think about it. The same drive that commands electrons to go around the nucleus of an atom. The same initiative that was a word painted Galaxies in a sky that Van Gogh couldn't begin to imagine, let alone duplicate. The The same desire that breathes into humankind, the breath of life. That same determination is what brings about your renewal. That's impressive. That's something that should make you sit up and say, wow, who is this God that invests this energy this attention, this power, this detail into me. Because whether it's electrons around an atom or stars in a sky or the breath of life into a human being, whatever God does, He does for His own glory. And whatever He does for His own glory, He does well. Like nothing else. And He renews you for His own glory. Like nothing else. Our renewal is for God's glory. Second, our renewal is by God's hand. This kind of is implicit in the first one. I want to kind of unpack it here in the second point. It is God who does the renewing. Every now and then you'll bump into someone who will say words like this. I'm sure you've heard people say this. I'm thinking of going back to church, but I have to get my act together first. That very sentence betrays the reality that they don't really understand this second point of this message. They're missing it. Because if we believe that we are responsible to get our act together before we can come to God, we will never come to God. Because you can't get your act together. God never asks you to clean up your act so you can find acceptance in him. Rather, God says to you, come to me, just as you are, come to me. And I will take care of those things. And naturally, it's in our text here. In verse 24, you see God speaking. And as we, as I read it to you, I want you to listen for two words. Those two words are, I will. Listen to how many times God says it, starting in verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. You see who's doing the work here? You see who's doing the recreating? We simply surrender to him. Late in, uh, well, throughout most of the last century, there was a man named Billy Graham. Isn't that weird for those of you that are my age to hear someone say, late in the last century, there was a man named Billy Graham. (laughs) But it's been a while, hasn't it? Go YouTube that video. Go watch that guy preach. Go watch him in in an arena speaking to crowds of people. The man knew God. And the man called men and women to come to Christ that is all he did it was like he had no other objective in mind but to get people to come to Christ and and he would stand on a stadium floor and the stadium would be full my parents went to see him in whatever stadium there was before there was three rivers stadium I don't even know what it was and and they said it was pouring down rain and the place was packed they had umbrellas how crazy is that right And Billy Graham said in that stadium what he said in every stadium. He got done with his message and he said, I want to see you do what we have seen countless people do on every continent. I want to see you get up from your seat where you're at and walk down here onto this stadium floor and give your life to Christ. And then the song would play. Do you know the song? It's so fantastic. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And as thou bidst me, come to thee, oh Lamb of God, I come, I come. The beauty of that is that you're coming without any plea. You're not saying, God, I'm coming for renewal because I've been pretty good. I'm coming for renewal because I wore my mask. (laughs) I'm coming for renewal because I attended church. You're saying, I got no plea except this. Jesus died on my behalf, and I trust that to cover for my sin. I trust the renewal that I need to come from your hand, God. And that's where it comes from. And honestly, until a person really gets that, he will always struggle in this life. He'll struggle trying to be who he thinks he should be and to legalistically keep his ducks in, in order and, and, to, and, and to try to be what everyone else thinks he should be, and he'll be miserable. Or he'll struggle with judging other people, and he'll become that guy like, well, I never, Ah, that's just so, and he'll be miserable. Or he'll struggle with Christianity in general and with God and with Jesus because he's not resting in this most basic element of Christian faith that your renewal does not come by your effort. It comes by God's hand. And without him, there would be no renewal. We are renewed by God's glory, for his glory. And we're renewed by his hand. And as it turns out, that renewal actually brings us blessing. It is not for the primary purpose of giving us blessing. It is for God's glory. But along the way, it brings blessing to us. And again, you see it in the text. In verse 28, God gives us a place in this world. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you, and this is the important part, you will be my people and I will be your God. An identity. Do you ever feel like a misfit? (laughs) Probably, huh? I think a lot of us feel like that sometimes. I think everyone feels that way sometimes. I think those those guys in high school, remember them, and those girls in college, or that, that one guy at work, those people that in your neighborhood that just seem to have their act together, like, wow, they just got it so together. I'm going to tell you, just gonna, I'm going to expose the reality that unless that's coming from Jesus, they're pretending. They are pretending, and they're good at pretending. Good at pretending. But until you receive the renewal that God offers, deep down underneath any pretense you may have, you will feel out of sorts. But when his renewal comes to you, when he removes your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh, when he puts his spirit in you and moves you to follow him, then you find your place. Then you find your home. Then you find your identity. And it's a good find. It's a good thing to find. And this is God-given. It's a gift from him. You find him doing the work again in verse 29. And, and look, there's I wills in verse 29 again. I think God has a point to make. Verse 29 says, I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for grain and make it plentiful and will bring, not bring a famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the fields so that you no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. I will bless you. And that blessing, to anyone who understands the concept of honor, is priceless. Priceless. Our renewal is for God's glory, our renewal is at God's hand. Our renewal brings us blessing, and our renewal comes by mercy and grace. Now, these last couple of verses, starting in verse 31 and 32. At first glance, I I kind of misunderstood them. They kind of seemed out of place. I'll be honest. I felt like God was being mean. Well, just read verse 31. God's speaking to them. He's just told them he's going to renew them. And then in verse 31, he says, Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourself for your sins and your detestable practices. Loathe means hate. After I've renewed you, You're going to remember your sin and hate yourself. And and in verse 32, it doesn't get any better. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Wow. Why would he want them to feel shame and disgrace? Here's why. Because he never wants them to feel that that he renewed them because they deserved it. Do you understand that? Because there is this human tendency that we have, even Christians, even long-time Christians, to forget where we came from, to forget what we were like before Christ put a new heart in us and filled us with His Spirit, and that's why sometimes you see Christians who've been around a while, kind of pointing their fingers and saying, "Well, I never." Yes, you did. You just forgot. And when you forget, these things are at your door. Arrogance is at your door. And self-righteousness is at your door. And God said, I don't want you ever to forget that I did this. Because I want to spare you the grief of becoming that guy. Well, I never. I don't want you to be that person. I want you to remember that it is only when you confess your sin that I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. And when you confess your sin, renewal is there. It's a gift of God's mercy and grace. You see, I want you to see this as a pattern of how God behaves, of how he is, of how he renews. And I want you to make this pattern a part of your redeemed nature. I want you to adopt this pattern. I want to adopt this pattern myself, this pattern of renewal. So having learned that God should receive glory in everything, I want to give God glory in everything. Don't make this silly mistake. Don't say, well, if I'm going to be like God, he wants to get the glory in everything, so I want to get the glory in everything. (laughs) That's just silly, right? Kind of ridiculous. But rather, because God's pattern is to ensure that that which is admirable, his nature, is rightly admired, then I want to admire God in everything. His nature demands it. I want to live a life that honors him. I want to speak of his greatness. So that just as Ezekiel said, or God said through Ezekiel, the nations will look at you and honor me. Don't you want to live a life where people would look at you and glorify God? Even glorifying him when people aren't looking at you. (laughs) Weed the garden for the glory of God. Cut the grass as an act of worship before God. Earn a living as a means of appreciating that God gave you the ability to earn a living. Do the dishes as a way to show honor for God. And when you do this, you are using your renewed nature to give glory to God. And you're following that pattern that he established. Give glory to God in everything. Live a life that is surrendered because renewal doesn't come from you. It's not a matter of you getting enough willpower or fighting for it. It's not a matter of you trying harder. It is a matter of you resting more confidently. Resting in Him. So we surrender to God. And He changes us. I know you've heard the old saying, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know that's from the Bible. It's Proverbs 15.1 in the King James. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but a grievous word stirs up anger. If that's true, and it is true, (laughs) then we might add something like this Surrendered people lead other people to peace. A surrendered life brings peace to all who come near. A life of surrender to God. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I know you've noticed this. We live in an angry world, so much anger. We live in a world of wrath, a world, where, a world where, unless you're ready to fight for it, you better not express your opinion, because someone's going to, they're going to be ready. Do you want freedom from that? <laughs> then live a life that's surrendered to God and no one else, and trust in him, and your behavior will open a door for renewal for others. In fact, your behavior will stand out so astonishingly it will be as as beautiful diamonds laid on a black velvet background. Because when you behave in a way that is surrendered to God, it shows. Give God glory in everything. Live a life of surrender to God. Be open-handed and generous. Remember, our renewal, although it's for glory, God's glory, is a blessing to us. And remember what Jesus says in Matthew 10.8 at the end of that verse. He says, freely you've received, freely give. Be generous with your possessions. Be generous with your heart. Be generous with your compliments. Be generous with your encouragement. Be generous with yourself. Be generous with all you are. And fourth, adopting the pattern of the master would mean you are known for grace and mercy. Dare you to do something. If you're on social media. Who's on social media? Put your hand up. Okay, good. About two-thirds of you. Great. Who says, I'm not going to put my hand up for love or money? I just don't put my hand up in church. Yeah, I, know that. I, I see that hand. Okay. I dare you. I double-dog dare you to go through your social media feed and to grade every post you've made on a scale from ingracious, to gracious. And then think to yourself, am I following the pattern of the Master being known for mercy and grace? You're not going to do it, are you? I've seen some of your feeds, so I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not thinking of anybody except for you and you and you and you. No, I'm not. I'm not. No this is what I want. This this is what we want. If we're going to adopt the pattern of the master, then we want to be known for mercy and grace because he is known for his mercy and grace. When you follow that pattern, you will stand out. You see, we want to identify patterns so we can add the master's technique to our own toolbox as we seek to live a life of creating beauty. That's what I want you to be able to do. That's what I want to pray that you would do. So, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to ask you to stand if you're comfortable standing. And I'd like to pray for you. Let's bow our hearts together in prayer. Father in heaven, we know we'll never paint like Rembrandt. We know that we'll never sing like some opera star. Never swim like an Olympian swimmer. But if you are the one that's doing the renewal, then we can walk like Jesus. We choose today to give you glory in everything. To live lives that are surrendered to you, God. To be open-handed and generous and to be known as people of mercy and grace. And honestly, Father, we recognize that we cannot do that at our own hand. That this kind of renewal, this kind of change, is like every kind of meaningful change in our life. It has got to come from the hands of God. And so we're asking you to do it. By the power of your Holy Spirit living within us, because of the death of Christ on the cross, as we are here before the cross, casting ourselves on your reckless love, we trust you to renew us in ways that glorify you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.